This is the story of a podcast that takes weird news from across the world. And while many of these stories may seem fake, they're absolutely not. Because they're real. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Water Cooler Talk, the only podcast on the internet willing to change its core beliefs for a few bucks faster than Instagram changed back from a horizontal news feed. That's right, in 2019, we are ripe for change as long as money is involved. So make sure to send in your dollar dollar bills, y'all. And joining us today on the podcast, in no way connected with Wyclef John, you can confidently say that you're not connected with Wyclef John? Yeah, I think I can confidently say that. All right, well, that is the voice of Sam Rosemark. Sam, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, for those of you who may have stumbled across this podcast while trying to figure out if Wyclef Jean is still relevant to be used in a joke, Water Cooler Talk is about connecting the world in conversation by taking the strangest, the weirdest, the quirkiest, most bizarre, and most unbelievable real-life news stories and opening up a discussion about some of the ideas presented in those articles. If you want to share a strange and interesting local news story yourself, comment your thoughts on one of today's stories, or send me your credit card information. You can email us at watercoolertalkpod at gmail.com, or connect with us on Twitter at watercoolertalk, talk spelled T-L-K. Sam, are you ready to jump right into story number one? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. All right. This story is from Fox News US. Most people give up on New Year's resolutions by January 12th, study claims. After analyzing more than 31.5 million online global activities during January of 2017, Strava, a social network for athletes, discovered that January 12th is the fateful day when most people will fail their New Year's resolutions of 2019. Gareth Mills of Strava states, Sticking to resolutions is hard, and we all know that there's a lot of talk and pressure in January about getting fitter and being healthier. According to studies done by the University of Scranton, U.S. clinical psychologist Joseph Luciani, and the Personality and Social Psychology Bulletin, 8% of people achieve their New Year's goals, while around 80% failed to keep their resolutions throughout the year, and trends say about 55% of resolutions are centered around being healthier and more financially stable. Dr. Carly Moores, associate lecturer at Flinder University, states the best way to keep to your goals is to start with small changes and continue to build on those or try to tackle one change at a time. Try to set yourself goals, reflect on your progress towards those goals, acknowledge that changes can be hard and results won't happen overnight or even in the first two weeks of the year. So like what Dr. Moore says at the end there that like results won't happen overnight is what I believe the number one reason 80% of people don't get that New Year's resolutions finish. Because when you think about it, gym memberships skyrocket in January because people are like, oh, I'm going to go work out for a few times. I'm going to get ripped. I'm going to get that six pack. I'm going to look like Zac Efron. And then they don't get those results and they're like, oh, shit, this was actually a lot harder than I was expecting. This sucks. I don't like leaving my house and going to get sweaty and then ew, being uncomfortable and stuff like that. And then coming back and being like... You know, yeah, yeah, that that kind of sucks. That's kind of hard. I, I mean, I've even done it numerous times where I like start working out one week and at the end of the week, I'm like, where are my muscles at, man? This is this is some bullshit right here. Yeah, that or even like dieting and then you go to step on the scale and you're like, oh, I've lost no weight or I've gained weight Yeah, in some cases. And you're like, well, this sucks. I'm not going to do this anymore. So you just kind of give up or even like going to the gym, like the pressure of being at the gym, like they got all these mirrors around and people are like watching you. And like when I go, sometimes I'm like, this is weird. This is like nerve wracking. Am I doing everything right? Like that's 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 also I've always I've always thought about is like when I go to the gym, 
I'm more focused on myself, so I don't focus right, on yeah. other people. So I don't know if other people are still like thinking that same way. Because I know some people go to the gym to check out the ladies or check out the guys, but I feel like the majority of people that go are just like, I'm so concerned about like like what you just said. Am I doing the right thing? How do I look? How do I do this? Blah blah blah. blah. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good little piece of advice. People don't care about you. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Just uh, pop in some headphones. That's usually what I do, and, and just, just go, go to, to town. town on yeah. The yeah exactly. Elliptical or whatever whatever machine you, yeah whatever uh, you feel comfortable with you know um <laughs> but yeah i think i think once people realize that you know working out is hard dieting is hard it's hard to look like zach efron he looked he yeah. puts in time and commitment and i mean it's his full-time job but it's a different story like that really terrifies people that you know i have to leave my house i'm i just want to stay inside warm under a blanket eat a pizza and watch netflix yeah, that's super netflix. easy to me like that's i'm super comfortable doing it that's just like every other day, whatever. But like having to get out of that warmth, having to go start the car, it's winter here in Minnesota, having to get into the cold, having to get to your car, having to drive five to 20 minutes to your local gym, having to work out for an hour to two hours, getting sweaty, right. worrying about if other people are checking you out yeah. or if I'm doing this right, then driving back, having to take a shower and then waking up in the morning and you're sore. That's like super uncomfortable for people. So people are like, well, I'm just going to stay home and watch Netflix because that's I'm good at doing that. Yeah, it's definitely like a hard thing to get into, like working out specifically. And like, I mean, that's like half of what people are setting resolutions to do. Based off kind of what you said, why do you personally believe people fail at resolutions all the time? Well, I think this article kind of does a good job at explaining about how people make these kind of big goals, these large goals, lofty goals to like lose, you know, 50 pounds or whatever. Whereas I think if people set kind of smaller goals or more purposeful goals or in a more purposeful way, they would maybe reach those goals better. One thing that was talked about was like smart goals. Uh, I think that's a great way to do that. I've been learning about smart goals ever since like, I think it was like eighth grade is like what when are teachers. smart goals? So smart goals, um, it's an acronym. Imagine that. Smart goals is, it stands for, for stuff. So smart is specific. M is measurable. A is attainable. R is, um, R is realistic, I think. And then T is testable. And you like break down your goals with each of these Yeah, so categories. you'll set a main goal and then you'll kind of make sure that the goal is specific, that you can measure the goal, um, that it's attainable. You can actually attain it because like you can't set a goal that you can't attain. It's not very smart. And then R is really, I, I forget what R is. <laughs> we need some help with R. Um, R is, I think it's realistic. I think R is realistic. Yeah. Um, and then T, T is like testable. So you can like measure it and kind of with that. Well, going to that attainable part of it, do you, like how do you tell someone that their goal is not attainable? Like say, I want to be the greatest podcast of all time. Mm -hmm. How do you tell me that I can't do that in 2019? You know, that's hard. You know, especially with us millennials, you know, we, we, it's, it's tough. Um, no, I think you just say, you know, hey, it's not very realistic for you to, you know, have the number one podcast on in 2019. It might take a couple more years. Yeah. Uh, maybe you should try to meet like this ranking by the end of the 2019 and then by the end of 2020 you can reach this ranking and like so on and so on to kind of like build yourself no up that's to smart it. yeah i think breaking down your goals into smaller goals yeah. is like a lot smarter like if you want to lose 50 pounds like you mentioned maybe just try losing 15 pounds because like once you start working out and once you start shedding weight weight comes off easily yeah exactly but it's like you have to get to that you know getting 
past January 12th. That's that should be your first goal. It's like, can I do, can I work out for three weeks in a row? And then once you work out, I think most, the beginning of most, what, what I don't even know what the word is, like things you do over and over again. What do you call those? Habits? Habits, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Not think of it. Yeah, no. But I yeah. think like most habits start to form within 30 days and then like, wow, just blanking. But like even deeper habits start to form after three months. So like if you can get past that first month, you're golden. Right, yeah. As long as you can get over that kind of like that hump mm-hmm. and kind of get into the habit of doing your certain things to get towards that goal can definitely help. And also one thing I don't necessarily like about like new year resolutions is it's like, oh, it's January 1st. It's the new year. Time to set a goal. Like, why do we have to wait for the change in the calendar to like set a goal? Why can't we just keep it going and keep making new goals? You don't have to necessarily wait for the exactly. new year. Exactly. We are on the same page there, Oh, Sam. yeah. Wow. I, it's like, almost like resolutions, we're resolutions are great in theory, but they just don't make sense. Like, if you really want to change your life, why can't you start in May, June, July, August, September? It doesn't matter what month you start on. The only reason you're doing it in January is because everyone else is doing it, and you think that's what you have to do. Yeah, I, I would say that the fact that you're making a New Year's resolution and kind of like in the first place is kind of a sign that maybe it's not, you can't really attain it just because if it's taking you a new year and like a new day, the flip of a calendar and to do what everyone else is doing to kind of set this goal, maybe you're not like as motivated to do it as you think you are. But, you know, Very definitely true. some people, some people definitely do attain those goals and it helps some people, but just the statistics you mentioned earlier yeah exactly (laughs) like it doesn't really work out a whole lot but whatever let me ask you this question sam and the most hypocritical question i can ask after what we just said uh sam what is your new year's resolution for 2019 (laughs) you know i haven't really thought about it a whole lot i'm generally one that doesn't really set new year's resolutions i mean going back to like even a kid like i never really did new year's resolutions when everyone would like go around the table like okay New year, what's your uh, new uh, resolution? But if I had to make one, I, I'm not going to go into specific and make like a smart goal here, but I would just say kind of being basic with the rest of the population, you know, being more healthy. Being like a basic bitch. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's me. Yeah, going to the gym, you know. Going to the gym, thing. getting your Starbucks. Getting my Starbucks. Healthy, eating yep. green tea. Eating green tea, having some avocado toast on my way to... <laughs> Well, we'll have to have you on in a year and see how that goes. <laughs> okay, absolutely, yeah. Uh, I would like to welcome to the show Sam Rosemark to today's episode of Water Cooler Talk. Sam double majors in political science and economics at the University of Morris here in Minnesota, while also being involved in many different parts of student government around campus. You can catch a peek of his wisdom over at Twitter at S. Rosemark, or more of his professional wisdom on LinkedIn as Samuel J. Rosemark. Uh, Sam, you're a campus tour guide <laughs> at your college, so you are able to see fresh incoming faces ready to be filled with wisdom and promise. What are what are some ways we can lead our younger generations to be more respectful and responsible? Something that you highlight on your LinkedIn. Wow, you did some, you did some digging. Research, yeah. You did some research. Holy cow. Uh, yeah, so I, one of the things that I do on campus is I am a tour guide, which is a good time. Get to see some bright kids come in and hopefully they attend our university. Um, but 
in terms of making helping young adults become more responsible and respectful. We're not even not even now that you said it, not more okay. responsible and more respectful, just responsible and respectful. Because I think they can be responsible and respectful. Yeah, I definitely think there are some people out there that aren't as young, or that aren't as responsible or respectful as like they should be in some scenarios. Um, I think one thing is just like helping them realize how they carry themselves is like huge in like perceptions because like kind of perception in this world is kind of like everything like Very how true. people perceive you versus like the reality of you it can be totally different but it, the perception of you is kind of what people see first and um, realize uh, so making people realize that you know, hey coming you know, to a, an event not dressed very well or not speaking the best in terms of like being inclusive with how you're talking and like that sort of thing. Those are definitely ways where people can improve upon um, like how they're perceived. Um, and also they shouldn't just do that for perception. Obviously, they should also try to become that to be a good person, become a good person and just being. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. Do you guys have a rival college? Not really. So the University of Minnesota Morris is part of the system of the University of Minnesota. So we sort of have like friendly competitions between like the other system campuses and the Twin Cities campus. Okay. Well, this episode is sponsored by the Twin Cities University of Minnesota. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, Sam, it's often thrown around the table at uh, family functions. By the way, people, myself oh. and Sam are cousins, or as Sam puts it in his guest information sheet, and also your cousin. <laughs> uh, something you should, I think you should include that in all your ingredients moving forward. You should be like, hi, my name is Samuel James Rosemark, and I'm also Adam Schultz's cousin. <laughs> I'm also, yeah, definitely. I'll give you some good cred. But we often talk about how Sam will want one day be the president yep. of the United States. Sam, sitting here <laughs> in my basement where no one can hear you, but the hundreds of people who listen every other Thursday, do you enjoy when people talk about your future like that? Or has it put a pressure on you that makes you feel like, if I don't become president, everyone around me will think I failed? That's a that's a good question. Um, so definitely get that a lot. And that's just the family either. It's uh, all the other friends like, oh, like, yeah, he's going to be president one day. Whether it's just like, uh, like kind of like a quick, like kind of like joke or like whether someone's ser- serious or not. It definitely is like, like, ye- like I, I don't really know how to respond sometimes. It's I definitely try to be like more humble with it and like obviously like I'm not gonna become like the president I mean I could and I'm more like optimistic about it as long it. as you have your smart goals yeah as long as I have my smart goals to kind of you know by this time I'll be in this office yeah. and so on and so on um, by this time I won't have any like illicit like super bad scandals out there no we'll have those <laughs> I'm sure you got a couple in your back pocket you could oh, take yeah. me down with but yeah it's kind of I don't want to say annoying, but I don't necessarily like it when it's brought up a whole lot. Because there is like there is some pressure, but I do know that people are saying it because they're optimistic more so about my future. They're not like, you're going to do this and we expect you to do this. So I don't really take it that way. But, but yeah. you would like it to move away from that discussion? Sort of. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it necessarily like helps in the discussion or that sort of yeah. thing. You know, there it is. New Year's resolutions for all your friends and family. <laughs> uh, well, folks, thanks for joining us on another episode of Let's Get Deep in a Ooh. Dark Basement. Oh God, I like that. <laughs> all right, Sam, are you ready to jump into our second news story of the day? Sure, let's give it a rip. This news story is from WMUR Nine, New Hampshire, United States. Have you ever been to New Hampshire? So I went to Boston with my mom. That is not New Hampshire. I know. Well, it's not New Hampshire, <laughs> but I'm not sure if we drove through it. We might okay. have, but I have not visited. You also formally. work 
at a location that sells gas. Yes. We don't want to give away that location. Yeah, no. But you have people that come in and buy lottery tickets and scratch-offs. Yeah. And has anyone ever won anything big while you work there? Um, the most that I have seen someone win while I was working was probably like uh, in the lower hundreds, I would okay. say. Nothing big like this. Not no. $100,000. Well, no. man whose wife has cancer gets help to pay bills by winning a $100,000 lottery prize. Michael Harlow of Stanley, North Carolina, celebrated Christmas and the New Year early by winning a $100,000 prize from a scratch-off lottery game, which he will take home more than $70,000 according to the North Carolina Education Lottery. Michael, a veteran and security guard, told the local news WJZY-TV that he would be spending the winnings on his wife of 33 years, who has recently been undergoing chemotherapy while battling breast cancer to help pay for her bills. Michael also stated, My wife is battling breast cancer right now, and having something to look forward to will help her get through the chemo treatments. I've already called the Carnival Cruise Line and upgraded our rooms to the biggest we can get. So not only is he spending the money on his wife to pay for her bills, but he's also taking on a nice cruise after the celebration. Looking at this story, Sam, it is marketed towards the feel-good audience story. The story mentions that Michael and his wife have been married for 33 years, um, have been through everything together. Now she's battling breast cancer, and to their luck, Michael wins $100,000, not only to help with the medical bills, but to also take her on an expensive cruise to kind of celebrate her finishing chemo. A sad story with a happy ending yeah. that doesn't really make you question any of the details. And that's what the news wants, Sam. This is what, this is what the, the news big media wants. They the have, wants. you yeah. know, this is the kind of story that closes out the nightly news. It leaves everyone on this good note, positive note. But here's the thing. This is a story about a guy who got lucky. There are thousands of people with the same story as Michael and his wife who can't afford to pay for chemo, can't afford to go on this cruise to celebrate beating chemo. On average, the cost for a treatment of chemo can be around $7,000. We had a hit show that was about a guy who made meth because he wanted to leave his family without medical bills and like a balanced life once he was gone. You know, every day you hear these uplifting stories about a shooting victim whose funeral was paid through GoFundMe. Someone's coworker gave up their vacation time so they could go to all their cancer treatments. And I'm here to say, Sam, I'm here to say, sure, these stories make you feel good, but they shouldn't. Yeah, no, I completely Why agree. Why can't we have a healthcare package that is affordable? You are Almost... going right down the lane, I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Almost 20% of Americans go without healthcare. Why does that family have to set up a GoFundMe for, the, for their young son that's life was taken way too early? Why can't the company give the person time off to be able to battle cancer without having to worry about getting fired? People want these stories to stay uplifting because that's what's comfortable to them, connecting it right back to that first story. If we really question the reasoning behind them, people would be uncomfortable. People don't like that, just like they don't like working out because it makes them uncomfortable. It's easier to be comfortable and be in a space where you don't have to be afraid and worried about how others may react. And that's where this story is, thinking about all those other people that similar situation, but they don't have $100,000. So now they're, you know, being overworked. They're having to take out same-day loans to pay off these medical things. And becomes kind of... I mean, an issue in our society, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely also, to add to that, like, this type of story comes on after, like, the blood and gore gets shown on television that's super negative, and then kind of this one, well, we're going to throw this at the end to make everyone feel a little bit better about themselves. But, yeah, I would say that, you know, the fact that this man had to win a $100,000 lottery prize in order to pay for his wife's medical bills is 
kind of sad and it's kind a bit of, of concern. It's a little bit of a, it's a little bit concerning because what about the people that didn't get the hundred thousand dollar lottery prize? So yeah, definitely not very uplifting when you kind of look deeper into. Do you meanings. think? Well, when you when we talk about this, do you think people should know the reason? Do you think people should be uncomfortable to the point where they're thinking, you know, oh, this guy got lucky, but what about the other thousands of people? Or do you think that's a dangerous place to go to? The news is, you know, they have they need ratings and they need money to keep going. And sometimes if they, you know, make the reality the reality and make people realize how things really are, maybe they don't get those ratings as much, which is kind of a sad thing. So, you know, we see how the news operates and then kind of how the media operates is, you know, they're here for ratings. They're here for your viewers. They're here for the money. Um, and I think if we you know, kind of move towards a system where that necessarily wasn't the case, where people, you know, got the facts, where it wasn't necessarily like a news bit. I think it would benefit the society and knowing like more so what's going on. So like in this example, if the news story was more so same story, but then at the end they're like, okay, well, let's talk about the other, like how many other, you know, chemo patients are, are out there that don't have this when even like realizing the prices for things, right? That, like you always hear about, oh, the American healthcare system is so expensive, but yeah. you never see any prices. Like when I looked up how much a single treatment of chemo was at seven thousand dollars, I was like, wow, I thought it would be like maybe a thousand, two thousand, and I thought that was expensive. But then it's almost twice as high, three times as high, and I'm like, holy shit! Yeah, no, it's it's crazy expensive for a lot of stuff, and I don't even know, like I don't even realize that because I don't have to think about that really, because I have, I'm fortunate enough to not have any, you know, family members or anything like that that have you know gone through that um, sort of thing. But there definitely are, you know, people out there that do have to think about that, and that's kind of so foreign to me, which is kind of speaks to you know just like the privilege that I have and that sort of thing. Yeah, no, kind of going back, to, I want to go back to what you said about the news because I thought that was a really good point. And we had previously talked about this on an episode with Busy where we talked about like we're we're living in the most peaceful time ever in the humanity of the world. Yeah. But because of this 24-hour news cycle, something violent is always happening because that's what people want to watch. People are so used to like violent things happening in the news, so when they see it on TV, they're like, "Oh, that's normal." It's normal to watch Law and Order where a murder happens every week. A violent murder happens every week. But when we talk about sex, if we talk about drug usage, it's like, oh, that's kind of too risque. But blowing a guy's head off is totally fine for a final conclusion for a movie. Absolutely. Um, and, I w- and I would even say, like, violence and, like, violence sells and so, like, sex sells as well. I mean, those are the two things that, like, you see in, like, media all the time is violence and sex um, for sure. Which necessarily isn't a good thing. Um, and it kind of, it kind of, like, desensitizes sensitizes your kind of your mind on like what happens and that sort of thing. But I, I don't want to say that like super heavily. Like it l- does it, but not like to the extent where kids are going around you're blaming, shooting people you're blaming because of GTA. Shootings on, yeah. yeah, right. I think that's a bit too far. But that's it a definitely, bit too far. It opens your mind to like, oh yeah, it's totally fine for me to see five shootings on the news. It's totally fine for me to see a kidnapping on the news. Like I have a friend who shares a bunch of Amber reports on Facebook. I've gotten so used to seeing those things that it's like, oh, whatever I just scroll past it and like that's somebody's kid that's somebody's blood that's somebody's like whole life that's missing and I'm just scrolling past it like it's nothing because I'm so used to seeing so many of those I think that's especially true with shootings and like school shootings specifically and there's so many of them you you see one like almost like monthly it feels like and you almost just kind of brush it off 
And what's even more sad is you're like, well, nothing's going to happen because... Well, yeah, and like South Park even had a gag about it where the cops were more, like the lead detective was more concerned on playing Red Dead Redemption 2 than solving a school shooting because it just happened all the time. They're like, ah, it's just a school shooting, whatever. Uh, but yeah, it's, I, think that's, I think that's definitely something that needs to change is in finding a common balance. Like we don't need to be so open where we're just okay with whatever's thrown out there. But also it's like, you know, not everything needs to be happy. Not everything needs to be wrapped up with a tight little bow. It's it's okay to be uncomfortable with these stories. It's okay to, you know, a previous episode with Haley, we talked about prostitution. It's okay to be uncomfortable by talking about sex. But it's like stick in that uncomfortableness for a bit and realize why are you uncomfortable? Why are you uncomfortable talking about the high rates of healthcare in America? Stuff like that. I think that's super important. So talking about America, Sam... How do we, or what are some implements we can implement oh, wow. <laughs> into okay. our healthcare to ensure that one, those twenty percent of Americans get covered, and two, it's affordable for a hundred percent of Americans? That's a good question that you know policymakers are definitely wrestling with. Um, what should our healthcare system look like? And you know the Canadians are doing it pretty good. The all the um, more kind of socialistic countries like Europe, uh, Sweden, Finland. All them, they're doing great. Um, their their healthcare systems work well, and their people are healthy. And well, when you say that, what do you think works well about them? Well, you know, just socialized healthcare. Healthcare is like a basic right. Is kind of where they're more gearing towards. So making it so that you don't have to necessarily get insurance from a privatized company where everyone kind of pays into the pot and everyone takes out from the pot for the needs that they have. Continuing on like what you were saying is like, how do we get everyone covered then? In order to get like everyone covered, it would have to kind of maybe go through policies, go through Congress, obviously kind of back with the Affordable Care Act where everyone's kind of mandated to be a part of this program. Because the thing is, if you don't have everyone mandated like to be in the program, then it makes the program like less less likely to be successful in the future because you kind of need everyone paying in in order to cover all the costs. If you have some people that are paying in and some people aren't, it's harder for that for the pot to get enough money in it to you know pay out for the people that need it. And you know, some people are healthy, some people are unhealthy. It'd be, at, at, at the end of the day, healthcare is a basic right. You know, if someone gets breast cancer, that person should have the coverage in order to in order to get treated and you know to live more of a healthy life um, it not only improves that person's life but it improves everyone else's lives by the productivity like that person will kind of put back into society um, and not dying which is bad definitely having more of a kind of going back to the affordable care Fair enough and I mean I was going to end the story with a joke oh. but I want people to sit in that uncomfortableness yeah. of realizing that everyone every human in the world deserves health care they deserve it no matter what situation they are in. Hey, listeners, sit in that uncomfortableness right yeah, now. Yeah, right, right here. <laughs> yeah, sit in it. All right, Sam, are you ready to get to our final news story of the day? We mentioned Instagram earlier. They had a little update. I don't know if you noticed that they had an update recently. Maybe. I might have. I guess when people listen to this episode, they'll be like, oh, that was a long time ago. Because we record these a year in advance. We're yeah, recording uh, yeah, in 20, no. the beginning of 2018. Uh, surprise, my resolution it failed. <laughs> uh, it was January 12th. Uh, done. Done. It was all done. All right, Sam, this final story is from the New Republic magazine. Is it ethical to post pictures of your kids on Instagram? This story was sent in by Danny Otway from the U.S. Okay, so thank you, Danny, for sending in another listener-submitted story. If you want to send in a local news story yourself, you can email us at watercoolertalkpod at gmail.com, and you will be featured just like 
Danny was. All right, is it ethical to post pictures of your kids on Instagram? The French have given power to the children. According to a new French law, children have been given the option to sue their parents for posting a picture of them on any social media network that could breach their right to privacy or jeopardize their security. Parents could face penalties as severe as a year in prison and a fine of $45,000 or 45,000 euros, 51,000 about in U.S. currency, if convicted or publicizing intimate details of the private lives of others, including their children without their consent. Eric Delacroix, an expert on internet law and ethics, states, We often criticize teenagers for their online behavior, but parents are no better. People should think about how their children will feel later in life about images of them as infants or adolescents being posted on Facebook or other social networks. Sam, is it ethical to post pictures of your kids on Instagram? They are your kids. Mm -hmm. I think it is, to a certain degree, it is ethical, as long as you go about it in an ethical way. Everyone posts about their kids. I mean, it's. I feel like it's a common thing to do. It's you an okay show thing off to do. And, or not show off show your kids, off, but, but you know, yeah, give updates. You know, kids. celebrate your kids. Like, hey, my kid just walked. Like, awesome. That's great. Or you know, my kid won this award, which is good. Can definitely see maybe how it might become sort of unethical if you like use it to make money and you know profit off your child. Maybe that's not the greatest. But I think as long as you're like an ethical parent and like a responsible parent you should be okay. I'm interested that like the French have this law like in place where they can where you can get fined for damaging your child's like reputation basically. Kind of interesting. But I think is you know, it kinda of depends on the parent. In towards the end of the um article, the author or the news writer or whatever I think it was more of a blog anyways. But they mentioned that, you know, in 30, 40 years down the line, we're going to see people go to therapy and they're going to be like, I was damaged by my parents posting so many pictures. Because this is something I've talked about before is having your whole life online from start to finish is like a very interesting thing that we've never experienced before. So going back to the first two stories, we're uncomfortable by it because we're not comfortable with it. We're comfortable with, you know, keeping to ourselves and not being open on the internet we're seeing that's why the younger generations are so open on the internet because they're so comfortable with it but even like when i look at it it's like talking about the privacy and talking about the safety of your kid i think that's important because this article mentioned obviously pedophiles it's easy pickings that sounds horrible but terrible (laughs) with everyone posting like mommy bloggers daddy bloggers stuff like that kids are easily accessible online and I mean, pedophiles straight up disgust me. Yeah, definitely. Like, but, that's when you say, oh, I'm being an ethical parent, like you mentioned, being a good parent, but my actions could cause, you know, maybe a pedophile gets really attracted to my kid. And we've seen through, you know, all the studies, usually somebody who's going to go after your kid is a close family member or someone they know. So now you've just put basically a target on their back. Definitely not good. The parents should definitely be, you know, cognizant of that. Like, hey, let's not put... You know, certain I mean, photos I out there. Yeah, I don't want to say like, but there's so many pedophiles in the world that yeah. every picture you post, there's not. There's not. But that's just like a concern I had. Yeah. When I, I read this story. For sure. And I think there's, there's kind of like, a, there's like a fine line, I feel like, where there's like parents that are just posting about their kids, like just to post about their kids. And it's not like a huge issue. They're kind of being like everybody else, every other kind of like parent, even in like, like our parents. And then there's like the parents that are like, Overposting that are just kind of using their kid as like this like item to kind of show like oh look at me I'm the perfect Midwestern mother and 
you know, like and subscribe so you can see my life that you want. Like well, that exactly, sort of thing. and especially on social media, on just not only Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever social media is. Do people still use Snapchat? Uh, Snapchat is growing. Like Snapchat, it's the, growing. It's the it's place. Okay. Everyone uses Snapchat. I it was dead. Yeah, no, it's that's what I know. <laughs> no, yeah, no. Uh, Snapchat is definitely live and strong, especially young amongst like younger generations i would say so sam samuel j rosemark also the cousin of adam schultz is saying invest in snapchat yeah (laughs) yeah that turns out in a year um but people on social media everyone chooses what they post they select they're like i want my life to be this and that's what i'm going to post on social media so parents are doing the same thing you could be a shit parent be a terrible parent you look absolutely amazing on instagram or facebook or twitter people are asking you for your advice and you're being the shit out of your kid in the background. In the background, the or on. ignoring them because you're too busy trying to figure out what you're going to post and making sure it looks yeah, good. Yeah, I think, you know, going like what you said, I think you said a very good thing. Like, you're looking at your kid now becomes a product. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to sell this product. I mean, hopefully you care about <laughs> hopefully your Hopefully you care kid, about your kid. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you're like, oh, I can make $50,000 a year from taking pictures of my son or daughter. Now they've just become a product to me. I care about them based on how many likes they get. And then that goes to affecting these kids in the future where they're having therapy because my mom wanted to meet that, And like they become like blogger. famous and like people are coming up to them in the streets. Like they can't live a normal life. Like Well, that's, that's also too. another thing that the article brought up is what happens if these kids get famous? Yeah. And what happens if they didn't want to be famous? Like you think of like the Kardashian kids, like they're going to be famous the rest of their lives. And they didn't say, hey, I want to be famous. So do you think like that will have like a big social toll on them later in life? I mean, it could, yeah. If they definitely like don't want to be famous, I, mean, I could definitely see them realizing that they want to, you know, live more of a normal life and maybe doing some like weird like switch where they like switch with like a family and like live a normal life for like a week or something. But I definitely think that it could have a toll and might make them feel or think that you know, screw you, parents, for doing this to me. Like I don't necessarily want this. This is not how I want to like live my life. Well, how do like now as technology is growing, like we'll eventually have VR where you can take a freaking scan of your son's body and play with them in VR. Not like weirdly The pedophiles will love that. The pedophiles are about, Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Which I mean, at least it's not real children, I guess, but... Well, it's still not okay. Let's just it's make still that not okay. It's still yeah, not okay. It's still not okay. But I think as technology grows, there's going to be obviously different kinds of social media. I'm someone who always says to clients who I work with with marketing, like social these social medias will eventually die. They'll be replaced by something else. Something's always improving. So how do we keep those kids safe? Like what are some tools parents, you'll be a parent eventually in the future, hopefully. I'm sure your mom would love to hear that part. So, so she's <laughs> loving this part. <laughs> but how do you, how would you keep your kids safe? Yeah, social media is definitely like kind of a thing that you have to, I would say you should like, teach your kids like how to use one thing is that's pretty easy is just making sure like everything is like private let's like instagram you have like a private instagram account or maybe like a private twitter snapchat you, know, you control who's your friends that sort of thing so just making sure you have more control making maybe making sure things are like private not letting your kid like well, let start me, let yes. me play devil's advocate on okay. that yes so isn't that the same like choosing your kid's profile to be private and choosing who follows them. Isn't that the same as saying, oh, you can't go hang out with Melissa because I don't like her? Sort of. 
I would say that uh, if Melissa wants to be your friend on your private account, you can still accept like Melissa's friend request, uh, but you're not airing out like all your stuff to all the pedophiles that live out in the world, you know that sort of thing. Fair enough. I think that's I think that's a good way to look at it when you look at like how do I protect my children in a social media age. It's a very the golden age of social media. And something I've talked about multiple times before is like setting up like classes in school. Just to be like, how do I be safe on social media? Obviously women have such a higher advantage on social media because we talked about it. It's people want sex. That's what they want. It's there's this attractiveness to the female figure. So we need these classes to really say this is how I'd be safe on social media as a man, as a female, as whatever I um, identify as. These are tools I can use. This is, you know, resources I can use. This is, you know, whatever I can use to be a lot safer, to be a lot smarter, too. Even, like, going down using your smart goals that you learned that <laughs> I didn't learn. <laughs> but just being a lot safer and a lot smarter with what you post, but also being free to not feel like you oh I have to be very tailored on what I post I can only post if you're a woman I can't post any pictures of me in bikinis because some girls post bikini pictures because they want the attention some girls post bikini pictures because they feel really good about their body and they feel really strong and powerful it's hard to compare the two and kind of see the differences <laughs> between them <laughs> uh, so yeah I think I think it's important just to be smarter on social media and I think, you know, is it ethical, the question, is it ethical to post pictures of your kids on Instagram? Yes, I think, you know, it's, they're your kids at the end of the day. You have control of them. Not not like control control, but you have, you know, legality over them till they're 18. So, I mean, if you want to post a picture of your son or daughter walking, you can do that. But also, I think you need to realize what are the repercussions of it. I think Facebook, um, one of the Facebook CEOs was talking about... If, like, Zuck? The, was this Zuck? No, it no. was another one of the guys. It wasn't the main guy, Zuck. Um, but if you post a picture of a kid on Facebook, Facebook will recognize its child, recognize it's your child, and be like, hey, you usually post to everyone on your wall. Do you only want to post this picture of your kid to your family or something like that? So smart things like that, but also it's like, oh, is that, like, technology becoming too crazy where it's like it recognizes my kids and knows exactly who I want to post to? I don't know. There's yeah, a lot. That's of, a whole nother. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's a whole yeah, nother whole episode. Can on of soup, mind. can of worms open up. Social media, golden age of social media. There's all sorts of challenges that you know we're all facing. Parents, kids, teens, young adults, um, and social media as you know, it's you're you're putting yourself there as like a product. You're refining your image on social media, and that in itself has a whole lot of interesting. Uh, implications and the whole lot of ethical questions there. Um, so yeah, I think this is a good story that kind of brings up this idea of you know kids and posting if it's ethical and all all sorts and stuff about it. And I think there's more to come on you know the ethical questions around social media because it is something where it's a new frontier we're still exploring. Um, and the VR and like all sorts of other stuff, it's going to keep happening. So it's good to have you know kind of 
have these conversations and it's good to think about social media and how we're using it and like the whether it's ethical and how we're using it in a more ethical way. Yeah, I like how you said it's kind of the new frontier. It's like even like what we're saying now may not be relevant in 10 years from now. I'm Probably sure like not in five to yeah, two, I'm sure like three to five years from now. 15 years ago, people were talking about MySpace and like... Jesus, MySpace. <laughs> it was MySpace really 15 years ago? I That was just the number I made up in my head. Um, I never use MySpace. Someone's so. going to leave an angry email for you. <laughs> You're gonna be like, what an idiot. But no, I think that's I think that's important to understand when we talk about social media. Social media is very young when we think about like the internet and just humanity and TV and like entertainment and stuff of that general knowledge because I mean even like talking about this story you think of like child actors it's basically the same thing but now you're on a more accessible platform so when we talk about social media it's like also it's like it's super young we're just figuring out these things like this is yeah exactly this is not a question we had 10 15 20 years ago um but it is a question today it is a question today and we somehow answered it somehow we think somewhat somewhat not somehow somewhat because maybe someone has a different opinion i would love to hear your opinion listener if you have a different opinion from sam and want to throw some angry emails at his face he will he will take them gladly sam thank you for taking the time to share your perspective about some of the strangest and most interesting news story the world has to offer in a fun and meaningful discussion once again listener you can follow more of sam rosemark and also adam's cousin on twitter (laughs) at s rosemark uh, what kind of tweets can they expect over at Twitter? Yeah, I got some good wholesome tweets out there. I'm a Mamma Mia fan, so there's some around that. Some political kind of tweets about what's happening in the political scene. Um, some tweets about uh, just, you know, life. Well, I'm sure I'll be tweeting about, like, Cuba, that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's it's good content, you know? It's, it's great stuff. Well, Sam, I pulled up some old tweets. Oh, my gosh. I don't <laughs> like this. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I tried to. I didn't find any of Okay. All very wholesome and good. And yeah, no, I definitely. Uh, so you would you would uh, not get kicked out of the Oscars. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. So important. there, there yeah. you are, listener. That's what you can expect from Sam's Twitter. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening to another episode of Water Cooler Talk, the only such podcast on the internet hosted by myself and guest hosted today by Sam, where we take the strangest and most interesting real life news stories from around the world and just try and have a good old conversation about some of the ideas discussed in those bizarre news stories. And you can listen to the show on Spotify or. Or you can head over to our website at newwestmedia.co slash watercoolertalkpod to choose your favorite way to listen and also catch up on any old episodes that you may have missed. I referenced a few in this episode people can check out after they listen to this one. But we are available on all podcast platforms. Sam, name a platform. iTunes. We are on iTunes, Love baby. iTunes. That's the That's way to go. One. And once again, if you'd like to reach out to the show with a strange local news story or if you just want to share some of your own comments, you can do so at watercoolertalkpod at gmail.com. And for the week following this episode, episode being posted if you decide to tweet us at water cooler talk talk spelled t-l-k with your favorite wyclef jean song i will respond back with a picture of money from every country except haiti because well we all know why <laughs> <laughs> but sam i want to thank you for coming on today you're someone i very respect i'm oh, very thank you. glad you are my cousin i very feel very confident that you're going to do very great things i look up to you you are an amazing young man and i'm thank very you. proud to say you are my cousin so you, yeah. i should be saying i'm adam schultz 
And I'm also <laughs> Sam's cousin because I mean, I'm so sure, proud of you. if you want to, but yeah, no, I definitely feel the same about you. I definitely respect all the things that you've done and think you're a cool guy doing great things. So yeah. All right, Sam. Well, it is your opportunity to close out the show. You can do so in whatever way you want. You maybe have some closing words from one of these stories. Maybe you wanna shout out your favorite pie recipe. I don't know. The floor My is yours. Favorite pie recipe. <laughs> the heat is on. Do whatever you feel is needed. You know, thanks thanks everyone for listening. Um great, great podcast today. Hope you enjoyed it. Um hope the new year the new year is great. Hope you uh if you make a resolution, hopefully you follow through on that. Make yeah, some, this uh, episode will come yeah. out um, January 10th, so people have two days to fail their two days. resolutions. You can make it over that hump in two days. Make some smart goals. You know, Be be more pur- purposeful about it. But I uh, hope you have a good uh, new year. Hope you, uh, you know, have a good time. So uh, make sure you live, laugh, love throughout the whole new year. Uh, yeah, and that's uh, that on that. You did want to be a basic bitch, and that's <laughs> exactly. the way to go Exactly, yeah, live, All laugh, right, love. Guys, we will be back with another new episode. Every other Thursday, new episodes are posted, so we'll be back then. I don't know. Think about it. Stew in this episode for two weeks, and then we'll have a new one. All right, guys, we will see you around town. Have a good rest of your new year, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Nope, not going to say that. <laughs> All right, guys, we will see you around next time. And until then, peace. This is the story of a podcast that takes weird news from across the world. And while many of these stories may seem fake, they're absolutely not because they're real.